Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Nashville, it's time for Nashville Business Radio. Now, here's your host. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Nashville Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, I've been looking forward to this one. Andrew Arbogast is with us. Andrew is the founder and owner of Arbo's Cheese Dip. Andrew, welcome. Hey, John. Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me on. I've, I've been excited about this. I, it was, it's been on the calendar for over a month, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy this is finally here. So thank you. Me too. I'm glad we could get this uh, booked and and uh, get you on because you've got a great story to tell. Let's get right to it. Let's first of all start with Arbo's Cheese Dip. Let everyone know uh, how you're serving the market out there. Sure. Uh, so Arbo's Cheese Dip, and as you heard John say, my last name is Arbo Gas. So if you're wondering where that came from, uh, Arbo's Cheese Dip, I, I started this company December 31st, 2020, you know, I guess smack dab in the middle of the pandemic uh, when I was working at uh, international paper as a um, global sourcing category manager for a buyer. And um, th- this is is a, a, res- a family recipe that is, you know, I'm paying tribute to my father. It's his recipe. And uh, the idea came, you know, one night uh, outside with some friends and we were just kind of talking about how um, we were not happy with our jobs. And then before you know it, uh, I said, well, I'm going to sell cheese that my dad's cheese dip recipe. And, and it was funny. Right. And then it, it went from being comical and a joke to uh, very serious. Once I, I started to really delve into it. And then before you know it, um, we're selling the first container at a grocery store and here in Memphis, where I'm from May 15th. And then, Quickly, that went from one store to 10 store, and now we're available in 700 stores. And that was just a matter of six months, actually, maybe even less than that uh, from the first unit sold. And, um, you know, the the local community, the local aspect, I'm a veteran-owned business. I spent 10 years in the Army uh, as an Apache helicopter pilot. And so a lot of a lot of that story behind it, you know, me quitting my, my day job to do this full-time, you know, where they're calling us the... Uh, we're calling this the great resignation. And I guess I'm, I'm not saying I'm a trailblazer. I'm just doing what, you know, my gut is telling me to do and it, it's working. So that's awesome. Wow. Um, a whole lot to unpack there. I want to get into your background just a little bit and thank you for your service, uh, to, you. to uh, our country, uh, in, in, in some pretty, uh, hot theaters, you were in Iraq and in Afghanistan. I'm, I'm curious specifically about your military background, how, what that does for you in your entrepreneurial journey. I mean, what, what of that experience do you bring forward that helps you day to day? Oh man. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like hindsight's 2020. I, I had no idea what my future held and, and the idea of being an entrepreneur was terrifying. I didn't want to do it. I thought being an entrepreneur meant you had to invent some gadget and, and, and patent it. And, you know, I'm not, I don't consider myself a very uh, intellectual and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do that. So I'm just going to go work from some, for someone and, and they'll tell me what to do and then I'll, I'll live a happy life, you know? So 
going, you know, but that, that goes back to like my childhood and a passion, right? I, I never thought of serving in the military as a passion of mine. And, and honestly, uh, I think that kind of happened as a calling because of 9-11. But leading up to that point, my thing was food and culinary. I wanted to go to culinary school. Um, even as a young child, you know, I just I love cooking and it's something I learned from my dad. But, you know, as going through my college years, or I'm sorry, my high school years, I, I got the, you know, 9-11 happened. I was a junior. And then um, before you know it, I'm signed up. Uh, on an army ROTC scholarship. And that means that I owe at least four years after uh, graduating college Mm -hmm. um, full time as an officer. Right. So uh, I decide, well, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to try to do the, the most fun job that they have, uh, which was flying helicopters. And so um, I, I, took the aviation uh, flight aptitude test and and did really well somehow. (laughs) And um, before you know it, I I get branched aviation, but I didn't read the fine print. You know, this was back in the surge uh, in for Iraq um, operation uh, Iraqi freedom. Mm -hmm. And so they're basically handing out some of this stuff. It's like, Hey, if you, you know, select aviation, we're going, you know, we're going to give it to you, but you're going to serve an additional three years. And then uh, I didn't read the fine print, like I said. So I went from owing like six to 10. Uh Oh, and, and so I had the next 10 years of my life set out for me. And so I, I, I accepted that even though I wasn't necessarily happy with it, just because I like to have control of, of my destiny. And when I'm being held to a 10 year contract, that, that gets a little, uh, nerve wracking, but anyhow, you know, eventually you learn to, to, to make the best of it. But so going from, you know, college and then into straight into the military, I mean, we're, we are thrusted into as 22, 23 year olds, you were as an officer, a second Lieutenant, you know, it's like right away lead troops. And, you know, I'm, I'm, because I'm an officer, I am in charge of a certain amount of people and these people are non-commissioned officers and enlisted. And some of them, all of them had spent more time in the army than me, even the youngest privates that had been through basic training Mm. all the way up to, you know, these 20 year uh, NCOs that I'm supposed to tell what to do and how to do it. And they take orders from me. Well, it's not that simple, you know? Uh, So you have to really approach it with the humble attitude. So I had to learn early on, you know, if, if, if I'm going to be successful, I've got to, I've got to, I got to listen more than I, than I speak. Right. Yeah. My commander used to tell me you have two ears and a mouth used them proportionally. And so I, I, I really did that uh, or tried to do that as much as I could. But then, you know, you get put in these, these situations where no 22 or 23 year old really, I think it would, is mature enough to go through. Right. And really, it's like, okay, so you go, go to flight school and as part of flight school, you're in survival training, uh, SEER school, survive, escape, resist and evade. And, and then you go to dunker school where it's like, you know, putting you in a, in a helicopter fuselage, dumping you underwater, flipping you upside down and you got to figure out how to get out blindfolded. Right. Um, and so these things were the fun part. Right. And then it's like you graduate flight school and then you go to your unit. And that's where you really are tested and, you know, went to Fort Riley, Kansas 
And from there, it was a t- deployment to Iraq. And um, that was around 2010. And so um, I did that. And, and I think that tour was almost, it was not as difficult as I thought it would be. But again, I knew nothing. Uh, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But then, you know, you come back and you go through more training. And I think it was the level of responsibility I had maybe wasn't uh, as much as my tour in Afghanistan, where I, you know, as a commander and um, uh, responsible for 45 people and, you know, 13 Apache helicopters, it's like, if it can go wrong, it will. And so you asked like, Hey, how did, what, what did the, what part did the military play in all this? And, And I didn't know it at the time. Like I was just, you know, woe is me. Uh, I'm overseas. You know, my family's back home and I'm going through some pretty crappy situations. And um, I remember several times, you know, just wanting to quit. And you've got this band of brothers and sisters that everyone's just behind you and we all support each other. So it's like the struggle with the military and and even coming back home. Right. So some people, are, you know, they say veterans love war. And I don't think it's that they love war. It's just that bond that you create while you're there. And then when you come back home, you, you lose that because you're just thrusted right back into civilian life. And, and that's where the real battle starts. But my point is, is all the things that I endured in the, in the army, the deployments and, and um, the unknowns that gave me a new level of risk being able, I guess, to, to take on more risk and, and not seeing that as something that to turn away from. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I, the other thing I think I heard in all that, uh, yeah, I, and I get, you know, taking risk tolerance, I guess, certainly. But one of the things I heard out of what you said was that, you know, you don't feel adequate, but you jumped in anyway and, and made it work. And made it work because you maybe had more talent than you thought you had, you know, or whatever, whatever the reason was. Um, but that's an entrepreneurial story too, right? I mean, that that's really what's happening with your company. You never, when you start a company, you never feel adequate when you start it, right? And and um, there's always so much to learn, but you're making it work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, talking about the, the level of, the, the confidence that you gain just from going through those, those struggles, even though you don't realize it at the time, but it, it got me to the point to where, okay, well, I've done my 10 years, I can get out um, and I'm going to go, you know, work for corporate and I'm going to do great because I had this military experience. I'm going to be able to run circles around all these other people that maybe don't have that veterans. And that was a very, naive mindset for me to have because that wasn't the case. I still had to try really hard. Um, but, you know, I was doing well at, at my company and I'd received a couple of promotions within three, you know, short time. But I noticed every time I got promoted and I, I was making more money that I was still unfulfilled and just I'm banging my head against the wall. Like, what is it? What do I want out of life? And and, and why can't I figure this out? You know, and I was just kind of going through the motions thinking that, you know, all these promotions, more money that will now, if I get to this level, then I'll be happy. 
And it was just, what do they call that? Insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a, a different outcome, right? And right. so um, the question that people, when this idea came up, and am I adequate enough to do this? Do I know what I'm doing? The answer is no. But just as my military career taught me, jump in and you'll figure it out. I've learned that, learn how to figure things out, things that I would never thought I could do. You, you really surprise yourself. And, and some people would ask, man, you know, you, you've got this great career and this great salary. Like, why would you be willing to throw that away? Don't you find that risky? And, you know, I said, well, ask yourself this question. Are you doing what you want to do right now for the rest of your life? And if the answer is no, then do something about it, because that's the real risk. If mm. you look back when you're 65 years old, ready to retire, and you're thinking, wow, man, if all these missed opportunities, things I should have done, would have done, it's too late at that point. I mean, so that that's my whole thing is, yes, it was a risky move, but it was one that it was scarier staying there than it would be for me to take this leap. Folks, we're here chatting with Andrew Arbogast. Andrew is the owner and founder of Arbo's Cheese Dip. So let's get to the to the real star here, right? The cheese Dip. Let's talk about, uh, you said it was uh, inspiration from your dad, your dad's recipe, I guess. Um, That's right. Yeah, so let's 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 uh, shout out cheese dip. What makes Arbo's cheese dip better than anything else anyone can try? Oh man! So you know, I lucked I lucked into this. You know, it's just like cheese dip is such an easy concept, and a lot of people enjoy it. It's one of those. It's so easy. You can just if you're assigned something, you know, oh hey, I'll I'll bring chips and dip, right? Uh, and and so. That in itself, I was fortunate to have that because it's almost a year-round product. Well, so Arbo's cheese dip, the reason why it sets it, it is set apart from others is because I basically took that homemade recipe and I scaled it, right? And so some of the store-bought cheese dips you have, the quality is low. You know, I'm I'm and I'm I'm not even talking about the shelf stable, the shelf stable, you know, the stuff that's in the chip aisle that it's never refrigerated and has a 30 year shelf life. Like let's leave that off, but talk about the ones in the refrigerated section, the perishable item. And, and sometimes it's just cheese. It's just like watered down cheese that uh, you can dip a chip in and it won't break. Maybe in many Mm -hmm. cases it is like glue and you got to heat it up. And it's such an easy concept where it's like, okay, well, I'm going my, my, I didn't invent this recipe, but everyone for the last 20 years has told us how good it is. It's got this creamy, spicy, flavorful appearance, and we haven't even tasted it yet. If you just look at it, you can see all the season, seasonings like shining through and it's mouthwatering, right? Mm-hmm. And then you dip chip in it and your chip doesn't break. And then it coats the chip enough still to where it's not like dipping it in water, you know? And this is when it's cold. So that's, that was my thing in Memphis. I don't know why we eat cheese dip cold. We'll heat it up too, but it's, it's one of those, maybe we're lazy. We just open the fridge, grab it and dive in. And that, and that's what I wanted to, to replicate. And that's what my dad's has always been. It's, you can eat it hot or cold. And so when you are eating it, you'll notice like, man, this has got great flavors. And then after you, you eat, yeah, after you eat it, then it, um, you, you'll notice that kick at the end. So it's, 
it sets itself apart in that way. Um, so it's beguiling, uh, as it were. It, uh, it it starts out slow, but it's got a kick at the end, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love and, it. And it's not too spicy, so kids can eat it too. So. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So um, you so are there different? Um, do you have different flavors, or t- talk about the product line? Sure. So um, right now, the only available flavor is the original recipe and that's what's in stores now like i said you know we're in two warehouses and that's spanning across about 10 states you'll you'll see arvo's cheese dip and it's you know the original yeah it's yellow it's a yellow cheese dip okay Um, but we are soon releasing a white a queso blanco and a spicy version of the original and so we're looking at um, sometime mid this year for that to, to launch as well, because I was told, hey, you're not going to be successful with one skew. You got to develop more. And so I've been uh, experimenting in the kitchen and, and I think we found the right formula. It's just a matter of taking the time to do it correctly and releasing it uh, at the right time. Gotcha. And you can uh, folks that are interested in your cheese dip can find it in 700 locations around the southeast yeah so so wow. it is, it's a, it's available in 700 stores um now the store has to order it it doesn't mean they're automatically going to stock it and so what i tell people is if, if they are if they want to try arbo's cheese dip and you're in georgia alabama kentucky tennessee arkansas pennsylvania ohio uh, indiana reach out to me uh, or go to arbosdip.com um, and, and you can tell me where you live and I can say, Hey, look, th- there's a store that's five minutes from your location. We're about to have a store locator on the website. So you okay. can do that and, and then it'll populate and it'll say, um, it is available or is stocked or can be stocked. And it's one of those where these stores listen to customers. They don't listen to me. I can call and say, Hey, you need to order or, or she's that, but it's the customers going in and, and more or less demanding it. And then it happens. So. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So just, I mean, I know this is changing. You're adding stores all the time, but give folks a general sense of what stores they can find the cheese dip in now, or the ones that at least know about you and uh, customers can ask. Sure. Uh, so one of the most common ones is a, is a, a, a food giant and they've got about 130 stores all across Tennessee. Um, all of the Piggly Wigglies, the cash savers, um, those are the bigger names. And, uh, it's one of those where it's like, if you have an independent, independent store, like a harps or something, and you're not going to Walmart or to target or to Kroger, your independent stores, nine times out of 10 are the ones that order from this warehouse that I'm in called AWG associated wholesale grocers. And if it's, we're also getting into, um, Cisco, and uh, PFG, which is Performance Food Group. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of that is I'm working on a five-pound bag for food service, right? So if restaurants that are hearing this are interested in carrying Arvo's, if you're a customer of Cisco or PFG, we're going to have you covered here uh, in March. That's when we're officially launching. And, and as part of that, too, we're doing what's called C-stores, convenience stores. So even if you're not, if, even if you're a store that's not in AWG, but you want to become a customer of Cisco and you do retail, you can order it through Cisco or PFG, like I said. So 
uh, we're, we're trying to take care of the masses until we can kind of, you know, maybe get into the Kroger's and, and some of those other bigger names like Publix and hopefully Costco one day. So there you go. There you go. Awesome. Uh, Andrew Arborcast, folks, uh, founder, owner, um, chief cheese dip maker <laughs> at Arbo's Cheese Dip. Uh, um, so what, what, what are the, what are the long-term plans? Uh, obviously you're going to continue to grow your distribution. You're adding to your product line. I mean, what, what does the next year or two look like for the company? So I've got a, I've got a timeline really that I'm, I'm up against. And in order for me to leave my job, I had to you know bring on some, some partners to help fund this, to pay me a salary. So we're working on getting this really up and running to where we're not only profitable, but I'm able to pay myself and, and take care of them at the two year mark from, you know, September 1st, basically is my starting point. So with that, I have a very aggressive um, plan to scale. And, and the way that I've been able to scale this is not because I built my own manufacturing facility. It's because I outsource everything. And that was the key. That was it's you have to be willing to let go of doing it all yourself, making it yourself. So once I found a co-packer that could make it for me and and he can meet the demand of all these stores, then I go find another one as a backup or they take care of a different region. So I'm trying to have, you know, several co-packers where one's take one can do a Costco uh, or an, and a Kroger and the other one can do Publix and so on. So I'm really looking to get into these major grocery chains, you know, even down to Texas and HEB and uh, Wawa's up north, you know, so I, I've got this big vision of hopefully one day being a household brand, household item, you know. That's awesome. Um, great story. So, um, uh, Andrew, this has been great, and I, I'm excited for you, and I know our audience is, and would love ways to support you and uh, help you uh, spread the word on what you're doing. Um, let's get those coordinates out there for those that would like to be in touch, uh, would like to know more, uh, tell them how they can do that. Yeah. So I I have no problem sharing my information and the customer dialogue is my favorite part. So you can, uh, find me on the website, www.arbosdip.com, A-R-B as in boy, O-S dip.com. Um, and my email is Andrew Arbo at arbogasfoods.com, or you can just give me a call at 901-218-7531. Um, I, I'd love to hear from you, even if you're not a, you know, not a grocery, a business to business customer, if you're an individual that you have a store or a restaurant in your town and you'd like to see Arbo's there, I love making those connections and would love to hear from y'all. Terrific. Andrew Arbogast, folks with Arbo's Cheese Dip. Andrew, thank you again for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me, John. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder. You can find Nashville Business Radio, our show, on all the major podcast apps. Uh, Go to Nashville Business or just search for Nashville Business Radio on your favorite app. You'll find the show. We would love it if you'd subscribe, if you're not already subscribed, uh, and share the show. that's the best way to get the word out. Uh, it's not about us or business radio X. Frankly, it's about our great guests like Andrew. You've heard his story. Um, entrepreneurs like Andrew deserve to be found and celebrated. And we want to help them 
in their journey. So uh, you can help us help them if you'll share the show and uh, pass it along, particularly if you know some cheese step lovers out there. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So for my guest, Andrew Arbogast, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Nashville Business Radio.